Welcome back. It's time for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. As we grab our board and swim out into the sea of ideas, with, I'll tell you, the only man I know in the world that, that predicted from the beginning of the Masters Tournament that Tiger Woods was going to win. I had it. I had, I had it all along. <laughs> all I along. Actually, had I had Molinari, you know, leading up until Sunday, and then I had Tiger coming from behind. I wrote it down. It's true. Just to prove. How amazing was that? I mean, just for anybody, I'm not a huge golf fan, but you got to love that story. After how many years, after all the pain and hurt and problems he's been through, the guy comes back well, and and wins yeah. another one. I mean, here we are two weeks later, and we're still talking about it, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I thought it was it was amazing. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, look, we all live in glass houses. Tiger made some mistakes. But Boy, for someone ones, yeah. with his, who two years ago, so here's what I, what I, so a year ago, he played the Masters. He did all right. A year before that, he had to get, he basically had to get a, a spinal block to be able to go and attend the champion's dinner on Tuesday night at the Masters so he could actually sit in a chair through dinner. Like, I mean, he couldn't even sit. He couldn't walk, let alone sit. And here he is. It's amazing. It's pretty awesome. Even he thought he was done, but he didn't give up. It's it's pretty cool. Well, uh, we're not giving up either here on Sales Pipeline Radio. How's that for a transition, Paul? I Thanks, everyone, it. for joining us today. Uh, if you're joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you for joining us during the workday. Uh, most of you, I expect, are joining us through the podcast. So thank you very much for subscribing. I think we're over 80,000 downloaded uh, subscriptions now. Continues to grow our listeners. I'm just surprised and humbled. It's pretty awesome. So thank you very much for joining us in every episode, past, present, and future of Sales Pipeline Radio, always available at salespipelineradio.com. Today, we have uh, another great guest. Uh, we are always featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today is no different. John Ragwin, he is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer for Seismic. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, great to be here. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we're going to talk today a little bit about uh, sales enablement, and it's interesting. I mean, you guys are right at the center of the sales enablement uh, category uh, with software. And I think, you know, it was like four or five years ago, we did a survey to try to understand where companies were in the sales enablement world. And we literally, we we found out we couldn't even use the term sales enablement in the survey because there weren't enough people that had any idea what that meant. And here we are now, it seems like it has become a very mainstream category and almost table stakes for b2b companies how do you guys see that oh it's unbelievable the growth so over it's exactly like you said over the last four years we've essentially had we went if you looked at linkedin just on job titles you know just looking at job titles you'd find that there was 188 80 percent increase in linkedin search results for sales enablement where people were searching in linkedin and then 118 percent increase just in the last two years of people with sales enablement in their job titles. Wow. So, and, and the astounding part we even saw further is that there are just about as many people with job titles that have sales enablement in it, in, in it as there are open job recs. So that really tells you that sales enablement has, you know, that's one of many statistics that is, you know, is important in looking at how sales enablement has become such a big thing and, and the importance to organizations. So what is it, though? I mean, like, I've heard people just talk about sales enablement, sales engagement, sales automation, sales acceleration. It seems like sales enablement is sort of a category term that has stuck. But w- what does it encompass? Like, when companies see that, like, what are the functions they should be thinking about? 
Yeah, I mean, first let's start with the value and then let's talk with the functions. You know, what I think companies are seeing is an increase in agility, meaning eliminating time in the sales process. That's one thing that sales enablement helps do. A second is around efficiency, reducing, reducing the effort that people, you know, that salespeople have to do to, and marketing to have, have to do to hopefully get to, you know, close deals. Third is effectiveness, like extending the conversation, making sure you're being relevant at the point in time. So what sales enablement at a broad thing is, are all the things, you know, that marketing and sales training and other people do around the sales process, sales operations, and when I said other people, sales operations do in order to help make the sales force be more agile, more efficient, and more effective. I really like the way you described that because you didn't go right into functions. Uh, you talked about like why it's important and how to measure it. And I think for companies that you know, are, are not excited necessarily about taking on more jobs, if you think about the impact that can have on your organization. I think I heard a stat once that uh, 25, uh, 25% of time for, active, uh, for B2B sellers is spent actively selling. And so you're never going to get that to 75 or 80 percent. But if you could go from 25 to 30 percent active selling and improve the efficacy of that selling across your sales force, I mean, do the math. And that all of a sudden adds up to a pretty big number. Absolutely. You know, and you look at how inefficient they are. So let me give you a few examples of first where sales enablement, uh, some of the stats we're seeing that companies who effectively do sales enablement get. And then where are some of the challenges? Why is it that the the, the organizations, where, where are they getting these benefits once? So first off, uh, CSO Insights quoted that organizations that effectively have implemented sales enablement across the organization and, and done things around the sales enablement have gotten 10%, 10.1% higher win rates. Uh, a second one is organizations with, a, you know, that have implemented a sales enablement platform have seen a 13.7% annual increase in deal size. And you'd say, where do they get that from? What, you know, how do they get benefits? Look, the reality is that you can only make your A reps that much better. You can certainly, like you said, hopefully get them where it's not 75% of their time is working not on a deal, you know. But the reality is your best sales reps probably find ways that they are spending 50, 55, 60% of their time on, on deal execution. But, you know, your, your B reps, your B minus reps, they're the ones who are spending 75%, 80% of their time because they, they don't know what to use. They don't know what message works. They probably in, in part of the sales process. And and this is common, you know, 65% of sales and marketing material produced for use by sales is never actually utilized. And, and, you know, obviously that's a fault of the people creating the content, but it's also a fault of, you know, that content isn't finding the sellers at the right time in the sales cycle. Because you may have great material or great great uh, training or great other pieces around sales enablement, but if it's not used at the right time, then it, it's wasted. You know, so, and, and keep in mind, you know, just using marketing material, for example, a billion-dollar company in annual sales revenue can waste about a million a year in, you know, unused marketing material. A million a year, you know. So these are big numbers that 
can be used for other things. And it's about, and it's like you said, it's a little bit about making them more effective, uh, not just efficient. Well, and I think you, I mean, you bring up some really compelling stats that I think hopefully make a lot of people sit up and say, maybe this is something I should focus on. I think this can also be kind of a hidden problem, right? I mean, if you if your presentations don't look good, you can see that. Um, if your conversion rates aren't good, you're like, okay, well, you know, what can we do to improve that? But what are some things people should be looking at in their businesses to indicate, you know, how how well or you know, effectively they're enabling the team today? Like, are there certain key metrics inside of a sales organization that, that companies that maybe don't have sales enablement software yet should look for to identify the, the size of the problem they may have? Yeah, so some of the some of the biggest things that some companies have done is is like you said some of the surveys around how much of their time is spent you know the biggest one of the key indicators is how much of their time is spent on non actually client facing activities that's mm-hmm. probably the the first one that can indicate you know some aid by sales enablement another is uh, how much of their time is spent searching or building marketing material. Like some of the best ones, you know, even some uh, some decent ones are spending 15 to 20% of their time searching for the right marketing material. Like that, that's an indication that sales enablement can be improved and, across the board. Other pieces could be, you know, that you're, you have large amounts of marketing material that isn't being used. And some of that's done by, you know, surveys, of course, there are systems that tell you that, but putting aside that you don't have a system, you you, you can do surveys to find out, hey, what's being used and what, and in turn, what's not being used. Uh, so those are, the, those are a few of the indications that you can determine that there might be some benefit of, of sort of sales enablement. Obviously, some, you know, classic, obviously, ones are, you know, you only have you know, so you have a, a, a small percentage of your reps hitting quota. Because mm-hmm. if you have a small yeah. percentage of your reps hitting quota, that's clearly an indication that it's not necessarily your product that's wrong. It's it's how you're enabling the rest of the sales team. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with John Ragman. He's the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer for Seismic. Uh, they're one of the leaders in the sales enablement category. And you know, before we have to take a quick commercial break here, John, the, you know, talk a little bit about category creation. I mean, you guys have been around since the beginning. You're clearly, you know, one of the leaders of the category today. I know you've done that a little through acquisition, but, you know, as, as the head of marketing, what does it take to not only create, you know, kind of create a category, but become a category leader in what can be a crowded field? Yeah, so uh, that's a good question because obviously, you know, for those of us like you and I who've been in sales a long time, the you you remember there was a day that CRM was not a term. You know, everybody <laughs> right. in marketing and sales knows what it is now, but it was a new term that had to be created. Same thing with marketing automation. You know, that was a new term that had to be created. And and sales enablement is at a similar point. You know, of early on. You know, within sales organizations, this probably it varies certainly by industry, but probably on average, only five to ten percent still yet fully understand, you know, what sales enablement is. So a, a bunch of it is trying to bring it out there to the masses. You know, there, there's actually a, a sales enablement society now. These group of think of it like uh, it's a nonprofit organization that actually runs has sort of local chapters and meetings where they talk about sales enablement. And 
think their current member base is well over 10,000 people, not might even be 20,000 people at this point. Uh, some of the things we're doing are webinars that are industry focused to, to explain to different industries how you know sales enablement can can be effective for their specific industry. Uh, and we're doing some events in local cities around the country that you know people can drive to and can be part of their workday, yet they can really understand some of the benefits and, and how to quantify the benefits. Because the most important part is quantification. Like, hey, you know, everybody has tugs and pulls on their budget, so it's so important to quantify. I agree. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Before we do that, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the Sales Enablement Society. We definitely encourage listeners to check that out. Even if you're not really doing sales enablement formally today, I think it's a great place to learn about it, find out from folks that were in your shoes before and are doing it today, learn about what works, what doesn't work, and uh, so, you know, mistakes to avoid and whatnot. So definitely check out local chapters there. We got to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. The way we do business is advancing faster than ever before. Yet amongst the disruptions, there's one pillar that stays standing through it all, the power of a relationship. Relationships are at the core of everything. So how are today's organizations developing, nurturing, and leveraging them to drive success? Join Matt Hines and Sigster's VP of Marketing, Justin Keller, for the on-demand webinar, The State of Relationship Marketing and learn how your team can bridge the gaps between relationships and revenue. Listen now at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. Okay, we're back with Matt and his guest and talking about the Secret Society, the Sales Enablement uh, Association. Is that, a, is that a secret group? Do they have a secret website, or do we know how to get in touch with them? We have a uh, website. If you just type Sales Enablement Society uh, into your browser, you'll, it'll come right up. It's the top one. Okay. It, nope. It's free to free to join. No, you know, no membership. It's it's kind of a locally run. Uh, they have different regional chapters, and it's fantastic. No secret handshake or required or anything here. Knock on a door or anything. Just. They might have one, but maybe they haven't given it to me. <laughs> okay. Well, Matt probably knows. He knows all this. Secret handshake could be a good, could be a fun way to sort of, uh, sort of create a buzz. I don't know. That could be good. Uh, well, thanks very much for coming back on Sales Pipeline Radio. We got more with John Raglan. He's the uh, chief marketing officer for Seismic, and we we're talking about you know category creation before the break, and you know let's expand beyond sales enablement. And if we look at sort of that sales and marketing technology landscape, you know there's several thousand uh, companies competing for finite budgets uh, from sales and marketing operations folks. How do you how do you sort of make sure that sales enablement you know, becomes part of the the table stakes stack? I mean, independent of trying to you know, differentiate seismic as a category leader in the category, you know, when you're competing against that many companies and that many um, sort of other categories, sort of what's the pitch to, to, to ensure people are focusing on sales enablement as a priority? Yeah, I think the way to look at it is, you know, you need three main systems within your sales organization. You have a CRM system, which is really, you could think of the system of record. That's the one that it's going to house all your information about your contacts and uh, and and your opportunities and what stages they are, et cetera, and, and your sales stages. The, the second is your marketing automation system, which obviously has to target, analyze, and target and determine which opportunities are you know looking promising. 
And then you need a sales enablement system that really takes you from when the lead gets turned to sales, how are you targeting and making sure that you are recommending the right tactics around content and meetings and whatever at the right time in the sales cycle. And then how do you say at the top, why is that important? It's the value, you know, and I think we do some of that with, you know, some of our customers. So a great example is Illumina, which is a big medical, uh, medical services company, devices and services. You know, they saw kind of when they rolled that out to their organization, basically a 70 to 90% kind of content standardization and reuse. They were able to cut, cut the marketing collateral by literally 70 to 90%, depending on the area or department, and then therefore made it much more effective for the sales organization to be able to go out and use the right things at the right time. Uh, another example is Blackbaud. Uh, they implemented... Uh, uh, you know, our sales enabled platform and they saw it, they actually saw it grew their pipeline by 32% and deals closed 14 days faster than they used to. And that's one of the things we focus on is again, the, this concept of agility and cycle time. When you're cutting down cycle time, that's obviously going to increase your pipeline and also you get deals, you know, essentially deals closed faster. And, and as you know, if, if uh, time kills all deals, right? So if you're, right. you're closing deals faster, there's less of an opportunity for you to lose. So I think those are some of the ways that we've seen it. Uh, but people are using it in different ways. There's a, there's a Fortune 500 sort of food service distribution company that uses our software. So they have 25,000 restaurants around the country, you know, about 6,000 sales reps. And they're not talking, you know, their use of seismic is really around how do I go into a conversation with my salespeople with all these restaurants and make sure they don't leave us, that they see the upsell, that they are buying, you know, the best products that we think we can recommend. So they actually, in a push of a button, can create a deck that helps them say, here's what we see the trends in the market are, here's what, we're, here's what you have been purchasing, and here's what we recommend going forward based on the trends in the market. And, and it's given them power that they never had before to go in these sales conversations, educated, you know, up to date, showing value right out of the chute, not just a purely relationship sale. And that's that's massive in that space where margins are tight. So uh, it is, you know, it is in the end about the value. And when we talk to prospects and new customers, that's, you know, the value is the leading thing that keeps it, you know, high on the priority list. So when we think about sales enablement as a category, really as a function for, you know, sort of more advanced B2B companies, where does that role sit? I mean, I've seen some companies have it in sales as a sort of extension, expansion of sales operations. Some organizations I've seen marketing really sort of step up and own sales enablement to increase their sort of impact on the, the broader funnel beyond just demand gen. Where have you seen the most success? Where, where are companies that are succeeding the most putting sales enablement in the organization? Yeah, so that's a great, great question. Uh, so far, sales enablement typically, you know, in most companies has actually been in, in sales. So okay. it either reports parallel to sales operations. We've seen some cases where it's in sales operations, but generally in parallel, almost like, you know, uh, you know, some of the product overlay teams might be uh, next to sales. So that's typically where it sits. 
It's interesting, though, it shows you how it's evolving. Often the sales enablement organization doesn't typically have a large budget yet. You know, that's where it's still working forward. So often the, the budget, though, comes from marketing. So it is often a strange dilemma, like, you know, the people who really use the system uh, and would use it daily to help in their sales processes are salespeople and enabled by an organization which sits within sales, yet often the systems sit within marketing because they pay for all systems. So it's, it's often a funny balance. That's interesting. Well, I, you know, just uh, a few more minutes here to wrap up on this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. I want to ask, you know, obviously Seismic is eating its own dog food or some people say drinking your own champagne when it comes to sales enablement. What are some of the things that you've learned by, you know, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk as well? What are some things that maybe has evolved in your approach to your strategy to sales enablement internally that might be useful to others? Absolutely. So uh, a great, we do obviously eat our own dog food, use our own uh, software heavily internally. I think the most important thing that we've learned is to push the analytics down to managers in the field. So if a sales manager, you know, with six sales reps in a region, if they're looking at the analytics themselves and going directly to their own team and saying, "Hey, why you know, why aren't we using this? Or we got trained on this, and you know, why, why isn't this being used?" Or that's where you, the power comes in because it's you know those individual sales managers and even salespeople. That's where they really can learn a lot about the analytics and, and understand why certain pieces are being, uh, you know, things are being recommended to them or et cetera, as part of the sales process. So that that's probably the piece that I would say we found most enlightening is really pushing it down to, to managers to, and, and the individual reps to, to look at it and use it. And the crazy part is once they do, they say, Oh, this is fantastic. I can really use this all the time, you know, even with our own software. So, and, and and where do these programs fail? Like if people are sort of embarking on doing sales enablement, even maybe purchasing a sales enablement platform, where do they struggle? And and where so in, in specifically around, you know, how do we help people who are embarking on their own sales enablement journey sort of avoid those mistakes as well? Yeah. So I think that the places where they typically fail are first when they consider sales enablement just training, because. You know, we, hey, we've all been in sales. We, I don't. I'd love to know your quote on the number of sales trainings you've been to, <laughs> and, and probably different companies, different methodologies uh, that they pitch, or or the newest, latest, and greatest. And and you know the, that's the panacea that doesn't work. You know because the reality is, it stick. If you have nothing to reinforce it all the way along, it's not going to be effective, right? So right. I think that's one of the, the big pieces, uh, not, not to consider it just training. And then the, the second piece I'd say is also, you know, it's not just, just about, hey, I'm going to give something where my salespeople can search for marketing collateral. But, you know, you want to do that, you can just use SharePoint or something else, right? You, you, you don't, that's not what a what sales enablement is just giving your salespeople a better way to search for things. You know, it's about recommending to them the right things to use at the right times in the sales cycle and 
what pieces work best. And hey, you know, if one customer already bought this product, they're they're right for buying this other product. You know, it's it's that recommendation process that's so important uh, that we found. Love it. Well, just a couple more minutes here before we wrap up. And John, I just want to ask you, we ask this of a lot of our guests, you know, think back of the people um, that have been most influential to you, some of the people that you have learned from. They can be former managers, professors, authors, speakers, alive or dead. Who are some people that have had an impact on your career and learning that you might recommend others check out as well? Oh, that's a great point. Um, so, uh, well, one person I'd say is uh, Marcus Rue. He's the CEO of a company named Guidewire. I worked there with Marcus for a long time. Uh, he's a tremendous CEO, uh, tremendous speaker, great visionary, you know, definitely someone, if you ever read some of their things, it, it'll feel a little dry to a lot of people because it's insurance software and it's not as flashy, <laughs> but uh, it, he's absolutely a fantastic leader and, and great, great to think about. Uh, that's one of the people I've probably learned the most from. Um, you know, I'm thinking offhand, you know, just one of my favorite, actually, I'll give you one, one of my favorite books. It's an old and classic one, but I really believe that Michael Moore and, uh, and about um, Crossing the Chasm. Like it's an old book, I know. It's probably, you know, 19, late 80s, maybe early 90s. But there's nothing that's more important, I believe, than in bringing products to market. If you're an ex existing big company or if you're a newer company, you know, and you're trying to go to different industries, there's so many use cases for crossing the chasm and understanding the importance of alignment behind that, how you do it. You know, I think there are so many lessons learned in that book that's one of my favorites of all time. So. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think, you know, some of those books that really do sort of stand the test of time that we talk about, you know, again and again, we keep thinking about two of my favorite marketing books, you know, written. Yeah, I think probably older than that. You got Ogilvy on advertising, which is, I don't know what, 60s, maybe early 70s was written. And what called Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins was written in, I think, 1923. Um, you know, obviously very different time in marketing. There was not Google Analytics to figure out, you know, uh, who's coming to your website. Um, but some pretty pretty uh, evergreen uh, uh, expectations and negative, some good content there. Well, we have to wrap up here. I really appreciate everyone joining us. Really thank you again to our guest, John Raglan. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Seismic. You can check them out online. Uh, also check out uh, the Sales Enablement Society uh, if you want to learn more about the you know, potential meeting groups uh, in your area. And uh, well, that's all we got today, Paul. Okay, no thank secret you. handshake required. No secret handshake That's today. Right. We'll see you next week uh, on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio.